Welcome everyone to Understanding the I Am That Is You podcast. Hey everybody, it's your girl Wynn Ruffin, and I pray all is well with everyone, and your hearts and minds are full of love, joy, and compassion for yourselves and everyone else all over the world, and regardless of what may come in our individual worlds or the world around us, be it good or bad, let us remember to always pray for one another and be of service to life in some way possible. Because our loving thoughts, as well as our loving actions, matters, as do the negative. And each person's energy, be it negative or positive, contributes to the energy of life all around us. But when we allow our mighty I Am Presence, the front and center position in our individual worlds, consciously and constantly acknowledging the presence and power of the living God within us, then we will effortlessly begin to radiate our loving energy. This is because the power of love is then at the center of our attention, at which point that power of love becomes most potent and transformative, not only for ourselves, but for all the world around us. And knowing that the presence and power within us is greater than that which is of this world, let us be sure then to sincerely represent those loving qualities of our mighty I Am Presence and utilize wisely the power of our loving energy. Amen. Give thanks and praises for love and life. And y'all be loved. Plato said, pure reason is the highest faculty of the mind. Many people wander away from pure reason because it does not seem to agree with the sight of sense. They say that there is evil and error everywhere, that it cannot be, then, that good is the reality of God, of man, and of the universe. The creative law makes man responsible for the bringing forth of the divine perfection. God finished his work, and the ideal, and we are making it manifest. If your body is not perfect, it is because you have not let into your consciousness all the perfections that exist for you in divine mind, perfections that would be fully expressed in you, as they were in Jesus, if you would discern the truth of the ideal real body called the Lord's body. Then if I want to see the real expression of divine mind in my body, all I have to do is to image it mentally. I must put my I am identity into it and affirm that the perfect body, as idealized by God, is now manifest in my hands, in my feet, in my heart and in every part of my organism. Is that good logic? Of course it is. Will it work? Of course it will. This is the real secret of metaphysical healing. In the beginning the Word was God, but the Word became flesh and dwelt among men, and they saw His body, His glory, and His perfection. Then Jesus Christ was the Word or idea of divine mind made manifest in form. Jesus saved his body from dissolution and raised it up to the heavenly estate, which is substance so pure that no disintegrating force can be found in it. This gives an importance to the body beyond the usual estimate. 
People think that soul salvation is the object of the Christian life, but Jesus, in speaking of the body, mentioned his ability to lay it down and take it again, even this temple of God. And on another occasion he said, He that believeth on me the works that I do shall he do also, and greater works than these shall he do. Can we save our body from death? Yes, by seeing it as the very temple of God, and that means more than looking at it as if we were looking through telescopes. We must see our body with our mind, see it with something more than the intellectual mind, see it with Jehovah, the Lord God within us. When the perfect man is conceived in pure reason, the reason of spirit, and man sees himself as he is in God's mind, the Lord's body begins at once to appear. We all can see our body with the single eye of which Jesus spoke, and through this faith in the reality of the invisible body we can regenerate the flesh. The body is wonderfully obedient to the I am mind, hastens to do its bidding, and is renewed and transformed by a thought. But so many of us see the body as it appears to mortal sense, and by thus seeing it, we put it under the laws governing the sense body. Be ye transformed, by the renewing of your mind. The real continues, the seeming passes away. We know that we are healed by right thought, that we can and do raise these sick bodies and restore them to health. Where is the limit to that healing? There is none. We can go right on and perfect the manifestation of the body idea as it is conceived in divine mind. That is where pure reason and logic sustain us. No matter how many people have died or how many are going to die, the logic is good if it proves the healing of even one ill. It is a real pleasure to know that there is a power behind this universe, that there is a real God, that life is something more than the mere piling up of material things, that we can become the real man, and that all pure ideals can be fulfilled here and now. The real body of God is a live body. It knows. It is a living body. Above all, it is a beautiful body. God himself is to be in that temple, and it will not be necessary to have any external light, for the light celestial will illuminate the redeemed body in which God takes up an eternal habitation. It is wonderful how quickly the body responds to thoughts of life and health, and how you can get a flow of health instantly if you hold the right thoughts. Just closing the outer sense and holding the thought that you are the perfect manifestation of divine mind will often heal the body of its ills. Sense mind sees the disease and clings to it, when it is trying to get away. Disease is not natural, and it knows it. Then relax the will of the flesh and let spirit carry on its perfect work in you, and evil or sick conditions will disappear, and you will be whole. All good healers will tell you that their best work is done by simply letting go of sense appearances and realizing that there is but one universal mind, and that that mind makes a perfect body for every man. We see this law proved again and again in the healing power of nature. Virtually all doctors admit that the body is naturally restored to health, that neither they nor their drugs do the healing. What causes this restoration? The divine idea of perfection. So, our body really is the temple of the living God? This so-called material body has within it and about it the divine perfection. Do not make any separation. Hold that your body is spiritual, and hold nothing less, no matter how much your flesh cries out. It may be that flesh and blood and bones can be expressed in a larger and better way, that is for you to determine, but insist upon the truth. Carry out that living true word, which every one of us knows to be the offspring of divine mind. And the word became flesh, and dwelt among us, and we behold his glory, glory is of the only begotten from the Father, full of grace and truth. Talks on Truth by Charles Fillmore, 1912 
Isis Unveiled, Volume 2, Chapter 6. The demonym of Socrates was this mind, spirit, or understanding of the divine in it. The mind of Socrates, says Plutarch, was pure and mixed itself with a body no more than necessity required. Every soul hath some portion of mind, reason, a man cannot be a man without it, but as much of each soul as is mixed with flesh and appetite is changed, and through pain or pleasure becomes irrational. Every soul doth not mix herself after one sort, some plunge themselves into the body, and so, in this life their whole frame is corrupted by appetite and passion, others are mixed as to some part, but the purer part, new, still remains without the body. It is not drawn down into the body, but it swims above and touches, overshadows, the extremest part of the man's head, it is like a cord to hold up and direct the subsiding part of the soul, as long as it proves obedient and is not overcome by the appetites of the flesh. The part that is plunged into the body is called soul. But the incorruptible part is called the new and the vulgar think it is within them, as they likewise imagine the image reflected from a glass to be in that glass. But the more intelligent, who know it to be without, call it a demon, a god, a spirit. The soul, like to a dream, flies quick away, which it does not immediately, as soon as it is separated from the body, but afterward, when it is alone and divided from the understanding, new. The soul being molded and formed by the understanding, new and itself molding and forming the body, by embracing it on every side, receives it in impression and form, so that although it be separated both from the understanding and the body, it nevertheless so retains still its figure and resemblance for a long time, that it may, with good right, be called its image. And of these souls the moon is the element, because souls resolve into her, as the bodies of the deceased do into earth. Those, indeed, who have been virtuous and honest, living a quiet and philosophical life, without embroiling themselves in troublesome affairs, are quickly resolved, because, being left by the new, understanding, and no longer using the corporeal passions, they incontinently vanish away. We find even Irenaeus, that untiring and mortal enemy of every Grecian and heathen heresy, explain his belief in the trinity of man. The perfect man, according to his views, consists of flesh, soul, and spirit. Carni, anime, spiritu, altero quidem figurant, spiritu, altero quad formater, carni. It vero quad inter hike est duo, est anima, quae aliquando subsequent spiritum elevator ab eo, aliquando autum consentions carni in terrenus consupiscentias. Irenaeus 5, 1. Translation, flesh, soul, spirit, with the second formative, the spirit, with the second that which is formed, the flesh. Indeed, that which is between these two is the soul, which sometimes follows the spirit of the elevator from it, and sometimes agrees with the flesh in earthly concupiscences. And Origen, in his sixth epistle to the Romans, says, There is a threefold partition of man, the body, or flesh, the lowest part of our nature, on which the old serpent by original sin inscribed the law of sin, and by which we are tempted to vile things, and as oft as we are overcome by temptations are joined fast to the devil, the spirit, in or by which we express the likeness of the divine nature in which the very best creator, from the archetype of his own mind, engraved with his finger, that is, his spirit, the eternal law of honesty, by this we are joined, conglutinated, to God and made one with God. In the third, the soul mediates between these, which is in a factious republic, cannot but join with one party or the other, is solicited this way and that, and is at liberty to choose the side to which it will adhere. 
If renouncing the flesh it betakes itself to the party of the spirit, it will itself become spiritual, but if it cast itself down to the cupidities of the flesh, it will degenerate itself into body. H.P. Blavatsky Plato, in Laws 10, defined soul as the motion that is able to move itself. Soul is the most ancient of all things, and the commencement of motion. Soul was generated prior to body, and body is posterior and secondary, as being, according to nature, ruled over by the ruling soul. The soul which administers all things that are moved in every way, administers likewise the heavens. Soul then leads everything in heaven, and on earth, and in the sea, by its movements, the names of which are, to will, to consider, to take care of, to consult, to form opinions true and false, to be in a state of joy, sorrow, confidence, fear, hate, love, together with all such primary movements as are allied to these, being a goddess herself, she ever takes as an ally new, a god, and disciplines all things correctly and happily, but when with Anoya, not new, it works out everything the contrary. In this language, as in the Buddhist texts, the negative is treated as essential existence. Annihilation comes under a similar exegesis. The positive state is essential being but no manifestation as such. When the spirit, in Buddhistic parlance, entered nirvana, it lost objective existence but retained subjective. To objective minds this is becoming absolute nothing, to subjective, no thing, nothing to be displayed to sense. These rather lengthy quotations are necessary for our purpose. Better than anything else, they show the agreement between the oldest pagan philosophies, not assisted by the light of divine revelation, to use the curious expression of Laboulay in relation to Buddha, and the early Christianity of some fathers. Both pagan philosophy and Christianity, however, owe their elevated ideas on the soul and spirit of man and the unknown deity to Buddhism and the Hindu Manu. No wonder that the Manichaeans maintained that Jesus was a permutation of Gautama, that Buddha, Christ, and Manu were one and the same person, for the teachings of the former two were identical. It was the doctrine of the old India that Jesus held to when preaching the complete renunciation of the world and its vanities in order to reach the kingdom of heaven, Nirvana, where men neither marry nor are given in marriage but live like the angels. It is the philosophy of Siddhartha Buddha again that Pythagoras expounded, when asserting that the ego, mind, was eternal with God, and that the soul only passed through various stages, Hindu Rupa Locus, to arrive at the divine excellence, meanwhile the Thumos returned to the earth, and even the friend was eliminated. Thus, the metempsychosis was only a succession of disciplines through refuge heavens, called by the Buddhist Zion, to work off the exterior mind, to rid the new or the friend, or soul, the Buddhist Vinyanaskandaya, that principle that lives from karma and the skandhas, groups. It is the latter, the metaphysical personations of the deeds of man, whether good or bad, which, after the death of his body, incarnate themselves, so to say, and form their many invisible but never dying compounds into a new body, or rather into an ethereal being, the double of what man was morally. It is the astral body of the Kabbalist and the incarnated deeds which form the new sentient self as is Ahankara, the ego, self-consciousness, given to him by the sovereign master, the breath of God, can never perish, for it is immortal, per se, as a spirit, hence the sufferings of the newly born self, till he rids himself of earthly thought, desire, and passion. H.P. Blavatsky The I Am Discourses 
volume 17. I thank you with all my heart for the decrees you have sent forth last night and tonight. We shall make the most of every opportunity to draw this cosmic fire into the physical octave, in and around you, and into conditions wherever you call it forth. We trust with your assistance to have very satisfactory results. Applause. Thank you precious ones. Won't you be seated please? You have no idea how much we want you free. Beloved ones, try with all your beings to demand my firepower of the freedom which we want you to have into your physical activities everywhere, everywhere, everywhere. And charge it into the atmosphere around you. It not only will bless you and bring freedom to you, but it goes on. Just as if you threw a stone in a pool of water, the vibration travels clear to the edge of the pool. Therefore, when you call forth my firepower of all Christ's freedom, it travels out everywhere into your land. It travels to touch life everywhere, and life will awaken and send it back to you. So when I said last night, it is not too much to ask that you love your neighbor as yourself, that you love each other as you have loved yourselves, that you love each other as I have loved you, we are all one life, and if you do not pour out that which blesses life, then you keep the door closed to that blessing which we can give. And because of what is needed in the nation tonight, beloved ones, it is very necessary that we give from our octave to you these various activities of the cosmic fire of creation. It is necessary that you have this sacred fire anchored around you in order for you to guard the blessings of God within your land and hold protection for yourselves. It is necessary that the sacred fire of all creation enfold you in its blazing heart and guard you, because you are our guardians of God's blessings in this world. So go forward with a happy heart, each one of you. Keep drawing these activities of the sacred fire into your outer use, and you will find, as the fire of creation is called into the physical octave to do these things that consume the destructive forces and release the greater blessings of God, will your worlds automatically be filled with every good thing. You cannot lack, for life will not let you lack if you do this which we have asked in order to let the sacred fire find its way everywhere in the physical world, and burn out that which has interfered with the great divine plan and its boundless blessings to mankind of the earth. So beloved ones, with all your might, pour forth this firepower of the various qualities and activities of all Christ's victory. Just surge it forth. Be unconcerned about who or when or where it goes, except to charge it out everywhere around you and let us govern its special activity. As you pour it forth, 60% of its blessing remain in you and your world to perfect you more quickly and keep you in closer association with us. If in your calls, you demand our fiery presence, visible and tangible to all, it will make it easier for us to come, and we will be able to come sooner into the outer to render that service which we give through the visible, tangible body. Beloved Master Jesus the Christ If you want our presence with you, then demand our fiery presence for all mankind to see, and that demand would automatically compel our presence with you in visible, tangible association. I think I've given you tonight enough of a direction to draw forth from within you the desire to do this which the cosmic law demands. As the beloved Cha Ara once said, there is something in that call which you require, and we are waiting to come and want to come far more than you want us. You don't quite think so, but it's true, for we can love more than you. So if you will accept my tip tonight, so to speak, it will come about much sooner. The world must have us in the visible, tangible body. And when we come in that body, it is a fire body, so when you demand the cosmic fire in the physical octave, and we come in that fire body, it is to do that which only the cosmic fire can do. 
I commend you to the enjoyment and anticipation of our closer association with you as soon as possible, here in the physical world, that we may do that which awakens all mankind to our presence and make them know not only our reality, but our authority to correct conditions here. And none can oppose our authority. Once we appear in the visible, tangible body, human authority in this world is finished. Applause. Thank you precious ones, with all my heart, and if you will just remain standing until I am through, it will be just a moment. Will you call the fire authority of our visible, tangible presence into the physical octave to remove human authority forever? You ask for our fire authority in the physical world to remove all human authority, and it will be greatly appreciated by us all. Thank you for your calls thus far. Thank you for your love and your loyalty and your service to the light. Now may the fire of my love make up to you for everything you have given, a thousandfold every day, until everything your hearts desire, moves into outer command at your call and is sustained to bring you eternal happiness. I clothe you in the fire power of my heart's flame to be for you all that will ever bring you happiness. May you expand it without limit, and let its cosmic fire burst everywhere in the physical world until mankind can only look Godward to the mighty I am presence, and the shadows of past mistakes become the sunshine of cosmic fiery love. I commend you to the glory of its victorious presence and the most practical power you could ever use in all eternity. Enjoy your use of it to the full, and go forward and demand your freedom. Thank you and good night. Beloved Master Jesus the Christ.